All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Third Banner Pod. Tonight is episode number three, uh, and tonight we have on the show tonight myself, I'm Ash, we've got Kyle, Ross, and Ty, and, and tonight we've got a lot to talk about. We've got uh, some recruiting news that, you know, a lot of exciting stuff that's gone on this this last few days that we need to discuss for men's basketball. Um, also, the the Tom Jurich interview with Eric Crawford was amazing. Uh, that was outstanding. So we're going to give our thoughts on that. Uh, and then uh, toward the end of the show, Ross and I will uh, bore some folks with some baseball talk. But uh, let's go ahead and turn it over and we'll start diving right into that baseball or that, excuse me, that recruiting talk. Yeah, so a lot of good news. A lot of good news around the program as far as recruiting goes. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm of the mindset. We all know what happened last off season, and we know, all know what happened this season. As far as the four and twenty-eight, I'm I'm to the point where the only time I really even want to talk about what happened during the season is to compare it to now to make sure we don't do those things again. So with that being said, already we are doing better, I think, in recruiting than we were this time when he, after he was hired, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I sense a, uh, a lot better sense of urgency, um, you know, already. Um, I think we'll know more when uh, more teams are eliminated. Wouldn't be surprised to see us go after, you know, uh, there's one guy that, that Nick Timberlake, man, I was watching some stuff on him. I, I don't think he's really been mentioned with us or even who he's being mentioned with, but he plays for Towson. And that kid can flat out shoot. Is he a guard? Uh, yeah, shooting guard, 6'5". Uh, man, he's just awesome curling off of screens. You cannot give him an ounce of room. You can't give him any room. He's got a quick release, high release on the three-point shot, and he's accurate. Um, he can score at all three levels. I would love to see us get involved with a guy like him. You know, it looks like we're going to get Sky Clark. Um, mm -hmm. So... You know, I, 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 I gotta give I I gotta give my props to Kenny Payne and and the staff right now. Um, there yeah. seems to be a different mentality. What's going on right now? And I'm I am pleased with it. You know, we just gotta let this be past year be this past year. It was a mess. It was a train wreck. We all know, but um, it's time to move forward. Uh, we all have our different opinions, but all we got is hope. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And the the you know, it's all cliche, but the lifeblood of college sports is recruiting. And if you if you can recruit, you've got a chance. So then, you know, it, you know, it gets up to how, how well you can coach. So I, I am I am excited thus far. There seems to be a lot of positive momentum right now, which is good to see. I mean, um coming off of last offseason where there was seemingly none. I mean, we got, you know, the commitment of Brandon Hundley Hatfield and everybody kind of thought that was going to be the beginning. Um, and it just wasn't. So nothing really came from that. But this is, we seem to have a lot of good momentum going right now. Um, kicking off with Dennis Evans, of course. Uh, I, I maintain that's a big pickup. Um, seven foot one, already an elite shot blocker at just 17, 18 years old. Um you know, everything else is still raw with Dennis, and it's going to take some time. Um, but that shot blocking ability is going to get him on the floor in year one, um, and he'll be able to make a difference. 
uh, Sky Clark news is, you know, it's starting to look really good for Sky Clark. Um, who's going to be, a, I feel like, a really good ball handler to lead point guard for us. Um, and also, the, he has the ability to make some shots um, and get create his own shot, which is something that nobody else on this team can really do other than L. Ellis. Um, and then we might even have some more good news at the end of the week with uh, Trenton Flowers, who's supposedly committing Friday. I think they said earlier about 5.30. So about 5.30 or so on Friday afternoon, everybody, Cards fans, needs to pay attention to Trenton Flowers. Uh, he's picked up a lot of crystal balls to Louisville here recently. Uh, we think we think this week we should be able to add Sky Clark and Trenton Flowers to the fold. That'll be a great start. A lot of good momentum going uh, with the portal just now opening up. Um, I'm excited to see the further additions and where we go from here. So Trenton Flowers, for I think most people know that he's a six A. Uh, he's between a wing, between a three and a four as far as small four power forward. He can be a stretch four. He's a high school guy who is in the class of 24 as of now, but there has been a lot of talk about him reclassing moving up. So while Trenton Flowers may not be an impact guy next year, he can gain valuable experience as a reserve. And to land a guy like that is to make a statement as well, because we don't, we have not been in that kind of company for top guys, high four, borderline four star, five star type fringe guys. I know we've been in on some other guys as well. I know there's been talk that we're in on Carter Bryant. I don't think he's going to end up coming here. If I had to guess, I think he's going to go to Virginia or not Virginia, Arizona. He has visited him three times and just got off of a visit, and now he's close to making a decision. But that's another one where we have pushed hard, and we have made it very difficult at the very least. And, no, I don't do the moral victory thing. But I'm okay with losing a guy like that if we are in on other guys and landing them of that caliber. So Trenton Flowers, not quite as athletic as a Carter Bryant, but plays the same position, is, is able to reclass. I think that's a great start. Sky Clark is a guy we all were hoping we would land last offseason, and then he never even visited. So that's uh, not only is that an improvement that he visited, but it sounds like that's pretty much wrapped up. There's a lot of smoke out there that he already has an NIL deal signed, that he's got a car related to it, and that he's ready to roll. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. As far as the roster, I'm looking at it. Of course, the guys we had leave, Kamari Land, Sidney Curry, Fabio Basile, Devin Ree. Sounds like Jalen Withers could be very well on his way. So we have some positions open. Uh, obviously, we have Caleb Glenn, Coron Davis, Sky Clark, if he does join, Curtis, Curtis Williams. Williams. Yep. Yeah, Curtis Williams. And – I don't know about you guys, so we have anywhere – it depends on if there's any more movement. We're looking at anywhere between about three to four more spots left. And it gets kind of tricky because, again, I only refer to last year at this point or this this past season as far as getting better this season. So we know the guard problem we had. Some of us were told that that was not a big deal last offseason when we were low on guards and some of us were concerned and then we we saw very much this season it absolutely was a problem so sky clark is a start 
I think if you have three slots left, two of those that have to go to two more guards. And I still think we're a little bit under, but I also think we might need another center. I think Dennis Evans, who I forgot to mention as far as somebody that's incoming, another five-star talent that came out of left field uh, after decommitting from Minnesota. He's a great start, but I think it's going to take him some time and being – what is he, seven foot one, seven foot two? I don't think he's going to be getting 35 minutes a game. So I think he's going to come in, give us a big spark. But I would like to see a guy like a Churchill, a boss, who it's hard to know where we are with Churchill. We we got in on him early. We, we stopped hearing about him when he visited Ole Miss. But then we still hear some people saying, no, we're still in very good with him. He's from the NBA Africa Academy, so he's one of those guys that, you know, how how good how how good are we with him right now? It's really hard to know with some of those type of guys. But I don't know about you guys. I'm thinking we need a small, quick guard to offset a guy like Dennis Evans. I would love to see. I don't know about you guys. I would love to see a quick guard slashing in the lane that could just lob it up to a guy with a pterodactyl wingspan who could just throw it up there, and he's probably going to get it. You either have to commit to the guard or he's gonna burn you. And then he's gonna and if you if you commit to him, he's gonna throw the lob. I would love to see somebody like that to compliment Sky Clark. And I would also love for a third guard to be a sharpshooter who can come off the bench maybe and just you know you can't leave him. Kind of like what you all were talking what you were talking about, Ross. And maybe he doesn't come off the bench. But the guy you're referring to that can knock down threes from anywhere, I think Oh, that that guy's gonna start wherever he goes next year. He's a He's a top quarter uh, transfer portal uh, prospect. He's he's going to get plenty of action if he's not already. Yeah, I agree with you. Jeremy asked, does Ellis count towards a 13 scholarship limit since he's a COVID fifth-year senior similar to Malik Williams? I have heard so many mixed things on that. I have heard that that was only good for one year, and I, then I've heard that, yes, he would not qualify, and it, it does – go towards that exception. I don't know if Connor's watching, but he typically knows those answers since he works in compliance. Maybe he could answer that. Uh, I wish I, I don't know if you guys know, I've heard so many different things on that. Yeah, I would think he, I would have, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's something I would have to reach out to, you know, a former colleague or something to ask because I'm not an expert in compliance by any means. I wish we had Connor on tonight to be able to answer that question because he would know. He it looks like he's responding in the, in the chat that the, the blanket waiver is gone. Um, and so L would count uh, toward the scholarship count. So, yeah, it, I mean, that's that's how I would look at it, too. I mean, I mean, we're like three years removed now from COVID, you know, I mean, it's and he's a. He's a, I mean, is he a super senior or whatever at this point? Like, it, you know, I, I don't know. It just seemed like it would be almost common sense to count towards the 13. You know, I mean, I just don't know how many players left would really fall under that umbrella, just to be completely honest, you know. I mean, right. so I, I, uh, Trenton Flowers, you know, going back to him, um, Watching a lot of his, you know, his mixtapes and his reels and everything. I mean, to compare him to somebody that's more recent on a lot of people's minds, um, maybe doesn't have quite the physical body because he is going to be a reclass, you know. Uh, but you can see a nice frame on him. He 
his game does resemble a lot to me, the way he moves, the way he gets into the lane. He does remind me of Paolo Banchero. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to have that kind of impact. I mean, obviously, we know that Paolo is a one and done, you know. I mean, that, and he's been playing really well in the NBA, right? I haven't watched a, a ton of the league this year, but. Uh, I had gotten the impression before the All-Star break, he was doing pretty well. So If he is um, half of Banchero, he needs to start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, Banchero is what, 6'9"? He's probably 235. I don't yeah, know if I had to get... Right. Yeah, I mean, he's in the NBA as well. He's a big when, dude, but... When Powell stepped on the court for Duke, he was, he was the dude already on day yeah. one. That guy. Yeah, he's and, I, you know, I think, I think if, you know, Flowers... Uh, waited another year and got here in 24. I think his, like, I think, you know, when they were, what the big, uh, what was it, the the AAU summit that came through Louisville, what was that, five months ago? You look at him from that time to, like, now, he's already put on weight. Like, he looks like he's going through physical maturation right now. So, you know, I, I'm usually I, I know you are too, Kyle. I know you're usually hesitant and reserved about players reclassing and it working out, but by God, if there's ever gonna be one that is like, you know, the wrench in that, like please let it be Trenton Flowers. Please well, let this kid yeah, be the one. Age, and his age is I believe he's actually eighteen, so I believe he's a guy that was older for his class. That helps. I don't know what it is about the seventeen to eighteen year old. Mm-hmm development but it I, I just feel like it's so difficult for somebody to develop from 17 to 18 in college compared to going through high school and then coming in from 18 to 19 as a freshman but it seems overall there's a couple of exceptions like genetic freaks that have made it work but I don't have those reservations to, to, to counter that just I don't have them as much with him and because of our situation I'm not as picky as I would have been. You know, if this yeah. was what we were used to seven or eight years ago, I would have probably been like, man, he really needs to stick in this class. We're in different times. We need all the positive momentum we can get. And honestly, if we don't take them as a reclass, somebody else will. So you absolutely take them. And it's, yeah. a win. it's a huge win. Dennis Evans is a win. I do think, you know, I know that, that he's going to target the portal next. I think all of the guys he has left on the table are portal guys. I've heard he's in on a couple of guards. I don't know if you guys have heard that as well, that are in the tournament still. I know at one time he was in on Davian McKnight. It sounds to me like with Sky Clark coming, I don't know if it's just a minutes thing or a, a style of play thing, or maybe they know each other and don't want to play together. I don't know what it is, but I know one recruiting guy on 247 had made a comment that it could impact Davian McKnight if – Sky Clark commits, so we may not be able to get him now. And what I don't get, I don't understand, and maybe it's because we follow Louisville and so we notice this, but it seems to me like it, nobody else has these problems. It, same thing in football. Like, nobody wanted to come be a quarterback, and I know Satterfield wasn't a great recruiter, but we well, always that quarterback that room was so intimidating. <laughs> it was loaded. They didn't want to compete with either one, no matter what his name was. Nobody wanted to, to, to come here until he left. And, I mean, he wasn't a bad quarterback, but he wasn't elite. His stats were a bit, you know, misleading. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. He was a solid quarterback. 
but he's not a guy that would normally scare people off. And now we're seeing in basketball, like teams like UK, UK struggling right now. And I hate to use them as an example. They're doing better than us, but they're not setting the world on fire. Or coaches on the hot seat with some of their fan base. Yet they've got more guards than the president has Secret Service people guarding the White House. I mean, I don't know. Like they've got all kind of guards, just stack guards upon guards upon guards. And here we are, we've got two starting guard positions open, assuming L <laughs> is gone. And these guys are like, I, I don't think we can do it together. And so how do we always get this luck? Yeah, well, I don't know. A little bit of that is, uh, you know, like we're, we have a little bit of tunnel vision, our own pro- program sometimes. And I yeah, think other, other fan bases that. experience that with theirs too. Mm-hmm. It's just that we get so focused in on our own that, you know, and we notice those things around L more than that we do other schools, basically, is what sure. I'm trying to say. Maybe so. But uh, so, I don't know. Do you guys think we need three more guards with three scholarships, or do you think we need two more guards on top of Sky and then another big? I, go or do ahead, you Tom. think something else? We I need mean, somebody it, that can be a primary ball handler for sure. I mean, um, even if that ends up being like a point forward, that's fine. Um, because we've seen that in the past too, where a primary ball handler was, was more of like a, f- a point forward. Um, but definitely the more guys w- that we have that can, you know, handle the ball and, and initiate the offense is definitely good in my opinion. Well, Kenny Payne, if you're watching, uh, <laughs> I have, I have just the names for you. So, uh, I know last show I mentioned, uh, Jace Carter from Illinois, Chicago, um, I'm not sure if they have reached out yet. I know that we kind of figured out that him and Mike James had a prior connection. Um, that is one that I think would be a great start. Um, you talk about six, five guard who can really stroke it. He's smooth, smooth player can get to the basket. Um, I think he averaged about 15, 16 a game. I really like Jace Carter a lot. Um, one that I'm looking forward to, and I don't know if he's entered yet. I haven't heard, but Damian Dunn from Temple. Um, watched Temple play a few weeks ago, and he really caught my eye. He was a preseason uh, first team All American uh, for the in the American Conference. Uh, leads their team. Uh, he's a really smooth. Reminds me of Carly Jones, uh, like a taller six five Carly Jones. Um, I really like Damian Dunn a lot. Uh, Tipple also had another guard that entered Khalif Battle, I think is his name. Um, I think he's a former Butler transfer. Uh, but he's also really skilled, really good as well. They Tipple, I don't know how they were so bad. They had two really, really good guards. Um, I guess that's why Aaron McKee got fired. But anyways, that those are two guys that I'm looking at. And I do agree that if it's three spots, I would go at least two guards and then a center. Uh, I know one guy just entered the portal recently, former TCU center Eddie Lampkin, I think would be the perfect, perfect center fit to come in and play right away. Uh, let Dennis Evans sit behind him and uh, kind of take him along slowly. Lampkin's a guy, the stats won't show it necessarily, but he was a really, really solid defender, brought a lot of energy to the floor for TCU. It was a big blow that he transferred out. Um and I think TCU is probably going to feel that when they play in the first round. So Lampkin's one that I would have my eye on. Um, I th- there's some good options already, and it's just going to get better as as the, as the tournament goes down and teams bow out. So, yeah. What, what so, a- I, I, <laughs> go go ahead, Ross. 
I was going to say, what about that pit center? Uh, yeah. What, give me his name again. As, as soon as you say it, he killed us. Is it Hughley? Uh, he, yeah, I think that's I right. Think, I think he killed us a year or two ago when <laughs> we played Pitt. Uh, that's another interesting one. I like I like Hughley a lot. Um, there's like I said, there's there's going to be a ton of options. Last year there was about eighteen hundred kids in the portal. It's probably going to be that, or if not more, this year. So there's going to be plenty of options. Um, if it's three spots after Sky, I would do at least two guards and then a center. Um, I guess we'll just have yeah. to see though. I'm kind of in the same boat. I would love to have four guards. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't think we're going to have the amount of scholarships we need. I could argue that one of those scholarships. I wish we would have held on to it before letting people commit a little earlier, but it is what it is at this point. So we deal with the numbers we have. I still hope that we can get a guy like a Churchill, a boss. I think he's a four mainly, but I think he can play the five. And if you add him with a core four and Dennis Evans, and then he can just spell them some, I think you've got, a, you know, two and a half fives for lack of better terms. And he also fills that role as a power forward. Now we have enough small forwards on the roster. Like I, I know I joked in a, in a draft podcast that we had enough wings to replace the burnt down roosters in Clarksville, Kenny Payne's, uh, <laughs> He keeps wings in stock like crazy. So if you ever think you're running out of, of good wings, Kenny Payne's got your back. So well, Kyle, we you know that set. We are you know that uh, you know Kenny. He actually uh, has ownership. He he owns a boneless chicken farm because he loves the wings. He does. <laughs> just he just loves the wings. He he loves the wings. Those are chicken nuggets. Um. Oh, okay. Anyway. Okay, you're done. <laughs> you're done. Yeah, yeah. I'm with, bones. You, I'm um, with you, Ross. Yeah, the, it's process. I mean, they taste all right, but it is kind of a gimmick. But anyway, I will say with Churchill, I uh, you know I almost feel like we've been getting uh, uh, you know Charlie Brown, Brown and Lucy with the, with that recruitment because, like you said earlier, it, it's kind of gone back and forth as far as uh, the way feel the feeling has been. But, man, I would really like to get him, honestly, from a personal standpoint, just because of the fact that uh, everything I've seen on him, it looks like he's just got that toughness that could really add something to our team. Uh, he's got kind of that grit factor. Um, mm-hmm. and I remind me kind of an old school, like Cincinnati Bob, Bob Huggins type player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, t- that toughness is something that could really benefit our program. So he's yeah. always, he's been somebody that I've, I've really wanted ever since I first started watching tape on him and that kind of thing. And I think some of the – you call it Charlie Brown, cat and mouse type thing. I think some of that is where he plays. I think it's it's a different – Probably so. I mean, I'll get a core of four. We did hear the rumors on the message boards that we had two beasts from a foreign land that were going to come play. And it was – look, it was from somebody that has tried to convince us for a long time, hey, all these guys are coming. And after a while, it was like, okay, okay. And we were all pretty much skeptical. And – all of a sudden, he did show up. A quarter four did, and that was beast number one. So, other than that, though, like we didn't, he kind of came out of left field. Other than the one guy who apparently has been following this for a while, and then we've heard since that Churchill Boss was the second guy. So, it could be that we're still in a great position with him. Some people seem to believe nothing has changed. 
I do find it kind of odd that he the first school he visited was Ole Miss, and then he kind of went back into hiding, for lack of better terms, where we don't know what he's doing or what he's thinking. Uh, but, again, a lot of that could be because he's a part of the NBA Africa Academy. I, I tend to agree, though, that we need one guy down low and, and, and two guards, and then you, you'll have to roll a guy. But what I don't want to see, I do not want to see like last year where Mike James is playing the two and he's starting at the two. If Mike James has to spell to be like a fourth type of guard, a second reserve for five minutes here and there, that's fine. But one thing I want to see in year two is guys playing their natural positions because a lot of times this past season we had guys getting – you know, they couldn't keep up with the defenders because they weren't fast enough, they were quick yeah. enough, agile enough, and that comes from being out of position. Yeah. I mean, Mike's, Mike's a three. A Mike three. is a three. He's a three. Uh, uh, he he doesn't have the ball handling or the passing to play, to play like lead guard or even really two. I mean, he could maybe spell there, but mm -hmm. Mike is a three. Uh, Tron has a great point here. Caleb Love. Now, there's been a ton – <laughs> of Caleb Love rumors over the last few days, a ton, and a ton and of mixed reactions, and a, a ton, ton of mixed reactions. reactions. I, I that am would be not intriguing. on that train. You're not on it. <laughs> I'll <No>. take him. <laughs> give me players. I mean, give me players. Here's the thing with Caleb Love. He is so streaky and so inconsistent. But last year in the tournament, he was a dog. I mean, he he pretty much led Carolina to where the, to that point last year. Um, if you could get that Caleb Love, sign me up all day. Small sample if, size, though. Yeah, but if you get the other Caleb Love, that's – I don't know. It would be intriguing if he does enter the portal, which I thought last year he was going to go to the draft. I, if I were him, I, I think I would have taken that off the momentum yeah. he had from the tournament. I, I was kind of shocked he went back. But that Caleb Love would be intriguing, too, if he jumps. Any chance I, L. Ellis comes back? I don't think he will, but we 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 heard we would know by the end of this week. If L. Ellis comes back, he's obviously starting. He's earned mm -hmm. that right, and so oh, that, cool. that would be incredible. But I assume he's not. So somebody mentioned Caleb Love and said he he plays a lot like L. Ellis, except a worse decision maker. <laughs> and L at times, as much as I loved L, that there were just times where you just had to. It was like, oh my goodness! It's just, the, and that happens, especially when you're not used to playing point guard. And now you're the you're you're the point guard, so there's yeah. a learning curve there. But I don't know how I feel about L, or about Caleb Love either. I do remember the tournament run, and he was hot. But I've also seen him take so many just crazy wild shots and not make very many of those shots, and then crazy decision making, and then I always lean on what does the fan base that they play for think. And I don't I don't see very many UNC fans that are too upset if they lose Caleb Love. I feel I'll like play. most of them are hoping that he leaves, to be honest. I mean. I think so. At least – and maybe I'm not looking at the – maybe I'm – I hate when people say, well, you're just looking at a small amount of people online. Well, that's all I have. I don't have well, a – They've watched him more than we have. Around me. <laughs> And I don't want to be surrounded by. Oh, no, Kyle, you're supposed to go take a poll of all North Carolina fans and ask what what is your opinion on Caleb Love? Yeah, no thanks. I'd rather watch Virginia basketball, and then that's not oh that's god not fun either. Oh, I'd rather go to the dentist and watch Virginia play basketball. 
I uh, deal with North Carolina fans. <laughs> I, I think as far as Caleb Love, I think what we saw last year is a guy who came in that was highly recruited and he was in a position where he was more of a – to me, he wasn't depended upon as much. And then this year, you know, they, they're coming off a championship. He was obviously a big part of that. And he was relied upon a lot more to be more of a focal point and a leader of that team. And I think the coaching staff gave him maybe a little bit too much reign. You know what I mean? Like they just gave him too long a leash. And I think that's why you saw a kind of a, I don't know if you want to call it a sophomore slump, but that's why you saw, you know, an up and down season. I think, you know, I think he was still very good at times, uh, but obviously Carolina had their issues this year. I mean, didn't even get in the tournament, you know, coming off a national championship. So, um, you know, I, I, Give me Caleb Love all day because I think that's a kid with a lot of talent and he would shine here because he's going to be motivated. He's going somewhere new. And, uh, you know, it's I think I think if you're going to have a player coach, those are situations where a player coach can be extremely beneficial um, just because, you know, you don't want that super type a guy like if a player's already going to come in he's already motivated like you want somebody that's going to be able to you know to hold that player accountable but um you know you that you want to give that player all the confidence in the world i just feel like player coaches more often have a better way of uh handling the political uh interpersonal uh stages with players and stuff and i just think that that would be Wherever he goes, I think he's gonna he's gonna do well next year as long as the team's not just absolutely terrible. And you know, we know he has no desire to come here, or we have no desire to. But yeah, our staff has no desire to pursue him. Uh, it's all so just connection to the past. I did want to bring up, and I just kind of thought of this on the fly. I didn't really have it on here, but do we think? I know coaching changes Twitter account, and I know how old heads feel about Twitter. They still think if it's on Twitter, it can't be true. That's not always true, people. Let me explain something. There's a lot of trolls on Twitter. There's a lot of fake accounts, and just like anywhere else, there's a lot of people pretending they know things they do not. And coaching changes may not have it right here, but but that is a credible Twitter account. They have reported on coaching rumors and, and nailed a lot of them, and they seem to think that there are staff decisions that we that that are being forced upon Kenny where he's being told, hey, you have to make some staff changes to your big three assistants. Now, I, I assume that does not include Nolan Smith, but they have mentioned it twice now They in the last week that, hey, expect some staff changes. It's being reported to us that Kenny Payne is being told he has to make some movements. So if that happens, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who do you think? Are we thinking Josh Jamison? Are we thinking uh, Manning? Are we thinking both of them? I, I mean, I think I think we all are kind of uh, – we all kind of know where – if we were pointing fingers, we're all kind of in uh, conjunction there with who it would be. It would be probably Danny Manning and um, Jamison is the, you know, the odds on favorites to be 
looking elsewhere. Um, it doesn't have to be a bad departure. You know, I would expect, especially, you know, Coach Manning, he'll, he'll land somewhere. Um, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's, you know, going to be a problem for him personally. But I just think after the type of season that we've had, we are Louisville. We're a top seven college basketball program of all time. Like, you can't that you have to have a shakeup. You have to like, Mm -hmm. it's, this is a business, you know, and the brand matters more than anything. Like, yes, it matters for the kids, their kid, the futures of the kids matter, you know, but you're coming to play for that bird on, on your Jersey, you know, you're coming to play for that name, you know, and this, this can't continue. And after what we saw this year, there has to be changes. There has to be like, it's just, it's, it's just the way it has to be. And I'm sorry if that, you know, certain people don't agree, but there's no way that you can say that, you know, that I don't, I'm sorry. I don't agree with Kenny. We don't have the best staff in the country. Uh, I think they're great guys. And I think that they probably do have their hearts in the right spot for the players. I think that you can find coaches that can, I'm not there, but you know, I think that we can find coaches that can get more out of players and also have their hearts in the right spot for the players as well. We just need, we need more. So it would help. I, I, I think it would be very beneficial to get somebody who's, um, on the tail end of their career, you know, I, I thought that when Jawan Howard put together his staff and he got uh, uh, Martelli to go, uh, or Martell uh, to go on his bench from uh, St. Joe's, I thought that was an extremely wise move. You know, just like when Rick got um, Ralph, uh, Ralph Willard, you know, to be on our staff, like that, that proved to be a very, very good. Uh, higher for a multitude of reasons you know there's more to running a basketball program at the college level than than just coaching you've got to like handle this entire thing there's a lot of stuff you've got to deal with off the court and that that, it doesn't mean that you're gonna be able to always be there hands-on running the practices having somebody there that has that type of experience and you you know is going to handle the business um day in and day out when you're not there is is it's priceless. I mean, you can't put a price on that. So I would love to see us hire somebody like that. I know an obvious name that we've all talked about before is John Beeline. Um, you know, I, I don't know what he wants to do, but hey, if he you. wants to come down, come on down because I've always liked him. Uh, you know, there's got to be somebody out there like that. Um that could be that could be extremely helpful to this staff and kind of you know Kenny's green uh, as far as being a coach you know like a, that a coach like that could help you in 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 uh, game situations you know you know timeouts all kinds of stuff you know so well and I would be I for hope, somebody like that coming. I hope coaching changes is correct, but in a way it's it's it kind of bothers me that it had to get to that point. Where, hey, if, if it really is true that 
administration stepped in and said, Kenny, you got to make some changes. That's a force change that typically doesn't go over well. But, right, yeah. but the alternative is, like you said, you make no changes and you just say, well, it was the roster I had. It was all their fault. So I'm not trying to get back in the last year as much as say that that is a rumor out there. Is it true? Is it not? We don't know. But that is an account that typically in the past, I mean, you can look at the people that follow that account, some of the verified followers and see if they weren't, if they weren't legit, they probably wouldn't have the following they do. And I, I do remember in the past, there were things out of left field they would report that sounded kind of crazy at the time, kind of like what we, some people were like, there's just no way they're going to do that. And those things came true. So, so I do remember that. So it's something to keep in the back of your mind. I don't know who he would target to be coaches. Is it the same guys that decided to pass last time or does he have a different group of people? I don't know. So something to think about going forward. Uh, and I yeah, and just kind of like, uh, you know, add a little bit more to the conversation on, on the potential coaching changes it is we had kind of talked about that uh, last game press conference uh, and how Kenny didn't want to make any changes on his staff. And I actually, you know, more of, I think about it is if it was kind of brought down from administration is a way it could be spun is, you know, for him as he's trying to fill the spots after that is that, you know, he can kind of pitch the loyalty that he's shown his, his guys and kind of pitch it in, in a loyalty way. Uh, so there is a way for them to kind of spin that um, and still make it, make it look good, but then also appease kind of the, 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 ba- the fan base and the donor base uh, that maybe is pressuring for some changes. Uh, so I think there is a way to, to make it, a, make, make all parties kind of happy and be able to, for Kenny to be able to spin that in a, in a loyalty way too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Again, the politics of everything is just unavoidable in a lot of things anymore. Um, you know, I, I I will say from a fan standpoint, if you're you know you hurt you're you're Josh Hurd, you know RAD, it's you're still being looked at kind of under a microscope of you know a lot of us are watching what he's doing, and for me, you know, if that ends up being true. I think it gives me uh, a lot of confidence in the fact that he's holding uh, his hires and holding uh, the program and everything accountable to a standard that we all expect. So, um, you know, I, I think that I think that that's ultimately again, it's a business like ultimately that's what matters. The brand matters. The Louisville brand matters and it has to matter because if you don't think that it does and you let that standard drop, it will drop. So, and that's not something any of us want to see, you know, that's, that's why so many of us this year are just shaking our heads. You know, we, this is something we've never seen before. We don't want to see it again. And uh, you know, it's, we're, we're ready we're all we're all here ready to see it turn, you know, turn the page and go in the right direction. And this week we're getting a lot of positive momentum. Like I said, it's going, you know, recruiting is the first thing. So um, there's a lot of things that can stack up to keep that momentum going to show that you are moving the program in the right direction. I was one when Kenny Payne was hired. 
I believed in him and I 100% was for him getting the job. Uh, I am still a fan of him. I have been very critical. Uh, and I think, you know, for somebody, anybody, if you believe in them, you should be critical of them. You should hold them to an even higher standard, uh, you know, because you want the best for them. I believe that Kenny Payne has his heart in the right place. I think that he does want the best for, for this Louisville program. I think he loves his city. I think he loves this university. He loves our program. Uh, it's just he has to be able to make the moves that are necessary to keep it going in the right direction. And I'm here for it. So keep yeah, keep so, showing us. Keep showing us. So speaking of the brand and, you know, where we're going from here, the direction, Josh Hurd, his responsibilities, it, it, it reminds me of what we walked into this morning, what I woke up to this morning with the Tom Jurich article. Tom Jurich comes out of mm -hmm. hiding. And he decides to speak to Eric Crawford and Eric dropped the article this morning. And I don't know about you guys, but I felt sad reading it. I mean, it really, I felt sad. I, I went through a very a myriad of emotions. So I totally I did it. too. Like yeah. I, I, I was happy to see the Eric listed very, very well, very efficiently. He listed the successes under the, athletic department and i'll get into some of those in a little bit but when i'm reading tom's responses the impression i get i hate that he regrets but i totally understand he says i regret how loyal i was and he doesn't mean it or at least i didn't take it that he meant it in a bad way he just meant i turned down jobs and i could still be doing this exactly that's the way i took it to an athletic director without revisionist history yeah, yeah. Revision. It's, and that's what it is. But it's mm -hmm. it's hard not to when you feel like it just came out of nowhere. And we all, you know, there's conspiracy theories and then there's some truth. The answer is somewhere in the middle, because I know there's people that say he brought all this upon himself. Yes, there are things that happened under his watch, like anywhere, although we had more towards the end and it kind of started piling up. So I understand that. But. I also look at Rick Patino being pretty much exonerated of any wrongdoing. He's now, now we're talking about him going to coach at a bigger program. His name's out there. Like he never had anything happen. Obviously the IARP decision, you know, we're past that. We moved on. And I just, I can see from, from Tom George's perspective. And then when I look at it, it wasn't done in a normal way. And whether you believe in a conspiracy, nope. like way out there, the far out there conspiracies, you have to admit for the amount of things this man did for this university to, to just all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, he's gone. I, I still remember it clear as day. Tom Jurich is fired from the University of Louisville. Now, since then, they've also had to renegotiate in the settlement and, and count it as resigned. And the university was willing to do that which just goes to show you they would not be doing that if it was blatantly obvious he should have been fired. They would not. They would not back down from that. But with that being said, there's still this odd thing about Tom Jurich. There's media members that just cannot stand his name coming up at all. There's one in particular on Twitter. He will search the name Tom Jurich. I'm not going to say who it is. 
and he will block. We know who it is. Uh, we all know who we, it is. We know. We, we know. know. But he will block anybody's Twitter account. They don't mention it to him, but if they tweet from their own account a pro Tom Jurich tweet, he will he will just block them. And I guess where I'm going with this is, is I find like I'm a psychology guy. So cognitive dissonance is where you have conflicting beliefs and you have to cling to one of them. And with Tom Jurich, we do this weird thing as a fan base. There's a lot of people that don't want to talk about him. They say that he ruined our program, that we should move on completely. But then we look at the best parts. What was the best part of basketball season this year? What was the best game? We all know what it was. It was the 2013 reunion. We had a whole celebration for those guys. That happened under Tom Jurich. The Russ Smith retirement the year before when we retired his jersey. That happened under Jurich. Lamar Jackson getting his jersey retired. We keep doing these things and pretending that Tom Jurich's fingerprints aren't all over them, and you just can't do it. Now, you could argue, hey, we're just crediting the players. They aren't at fault here. But the players are a direct extension of the coaches who are a direct extension of Tom Jurich. And we, we, we tend to shun him out. And it feels to me, and, and I'll let you guys kind of – I'll see if you guys feel the same way. It feels incomplete to me, these celebrations. I mean, look at the 2013 yeah. celebration. They were trying to get Rick Bettino to come back if he didn't have a game and if he had the free time. And what was Rick Bettino's response? I'm not coming back until Tom Jurich is rightfully celebrated or – you know, I don't Good know for the word used, but they basically are saying like we need to honor that man. He he needs to be rightfully honored. You don't have to agree with the way things ended. You don't have to agree with every little thing that happened. But it just feels so odd to me that we're we haven't had very much success in basketball and football since he left. Let's just be honest, especially basketball. And we keep clinging to things that happened under his watch while pretending we can't bring him up. Like, we're not going to talk about Tom Jurich. Was he perfect? No, he was not. He was our athletic director for 20 years, though. And I'm going to quickly go over some of the things that Eric Crawford discussed. And this, this isn't even the athletic success as far as the programs. He talked about that, and that would just take me forever. So monetarily speaking, our athletics, but our athletics budget when he took over was $16 million. Five million, and it when he left, it was one hundred four point five million. Athletic grad rate was sixty six percent. That's two out of every three. That's very low. It was eighty three percent when he when he left. The apparel deal here's one eighteen thousand dollars when he got there. <laughs> when he left, sixteen million dollars. Yeah. TV deal, 1.4 million, 10.9 million when he left. Merchandise sales, $328,000, 9.14 million. That's another huge one. Athletic scholarships, financial aid, $767,000 worth. When Tom left, $5.5 million. And he raised $278 million for facilities. He got us into two upgrades in conferences. 
the state, the, the the facility upgrades we see, almost all of them were from his era. When you're walking around Floyd Street, you look around, his fingerprints are everywhere. And to see him talk about this university, he, it, it's just, it breaks my heart because he, he hates that he loves us so much. That's the impression I get. It's like, I hate in a way, like he didn't say that, but the impression I get is I wish I could have just left. And this, and I wish this didn't happen the way it did. But he he will always love Louisville. He will always have a place in his heart, and we will always have that place for him. And certain fans, I think they do too. And and they just they're so mad, and I don't understand anymore. I don't get it. Let's move on. And the final thing I'll say, because because I've been talking for a while, but the final thing I'll say about it is from a psychology perspective, which is my background. You cannot move forward until you deal with your past. And that does apply for a sports program and their fan base as well. Obviously, it's not on the serious level of, you know, people going through major personal life issues or having major psych issues that they have to deal with in whatever way they do. But as a fan base who's been through a lot as fans, you have to heal. You have to mend that wound with Tom Jurich. I don't know what it's going to take. You need to honor that man at the very least. And we need to bring him back into the fold as far as talking about him in reverence, despite how it ended. And until we do that, there is going to be this odd discomfort where we celebrate the good old days, as we call them, while pretending he wasn't a huge part of it. And that's just, it's incomplete. Breach. What do you think, Ash? I'd like oh, to hear no. your perspective because I know you got, I know you got some history within the SPAD program, right? Yeah, I'm a SPAD grad, um, and you know, a long time. I wouldn't say a long time, but you know, I spent a decade in college athletics myself. Um, but more importantly, you know, forty plus years of being a car, you know, forty three years on this planet, being a Cardinal fan and a third generation Cardinal grad. Um, you know, my grandfather, my dad, myself now, you know, all being Louisville grads, you know, I, I was born and raised uh, with that Cardinal blood and reading this art, the article this morning, just, you know, I, I was really excited to read it because I still have a lot of love for Tom, but man, this article, this article pissed me off mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm getting even mad again. Uh, just thinking about it because to start off all the things that you mentioned, Kyle are absolutely 100% right. All the advancements we made were incredible. I mean, the softball stadium, the, uh, the track stadium, all that was a gravel parking lot when Tom got to U of L. I mean, it was just freaking gravel. Baseball was playing in a antiquated, terrible facility over in old Cardinal stadium. Um, we didn't even have field hockey. We didn't have lacrosse. I mean, the women's sports were a joke. Yeah. All the, all the non-revenue sports were a joke. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, that's to me, that's, that's arguably Tom's greatest un unheralded uh, achievement at U of L is that, you know, the whole title nine and, you know, putting women's sports on the forefront Tom had a vision of equality um, all the way across the board and what he did with women's sports um, 
was was just incredible uh you know we've we've had so much success with women's basketball under jeff walls um you know you look at volleyball this past year danny bus boom kelly uh I, I mean soft softballs you know definitely been up um it, it just it, it, it it's night and day what Tom did for Title IX at U of L and and U of L women's sports. It's just it's he was the right man at that time to to take us in that direction of you know to propel U of L forward in that front. Sorry, didn't, didn't is, mean to interrupt, but go my, ahead. Yeah, my thing is like we. Okay, we some of us pushed for Tom Durge to be reconsidered when we found out he had interest. But I don't think anybody's even to that point. Josh Hurd is our athletic director. That's fine. Okay, we're moved on from that. But we, we still have this thing. Like, I, I saw somebody comment on Twitter, I'm not reading that article unless I know he endorsed Josh Hurd as the athletic director. It's like, why? Why? What? Which he like, did, by the way. He's the athletic director no matter what. Like, what are we I, doing right now? Like, that man, like, I don't think people, and I almost think they feel privileged, and I don't know if, if it's mainly younger fans who maybe didn't experience as much of the old days before Tom Jurich, or if it's, if it's across the board. I don't know. But I just cannot understand. And I understand the pain of losing the title, the pain of losing Rick. But that's another odd dichotomy to me. There seems to be, and maybe I'm wrong, but there appears to me to be a lot more people that are open to the idea of Rick Patino returning, and they miss Rick. And I see a lot more of that and a lot less Rick Patino hate. There's some, there's some people that hold him and Tom in the same type of thought. Like they, they don't want anything to, they don't want them to have anything to do with the program. They just want to move on. But I feel like there's a lot more people who miss Rick, talk about wanting Rick back and how he shouldn't have been let go, but but then they don't have those same things for Tom Jurich. And that's what I really don't understand because most of the sanctions and scandals and stuff were from Rick. And I'm not saying all of it was his fault. I'm just saying like he's the central figure on most of it. And it's not even that I agreed with – like Tom Jurich did bring up Petrino and said, you know – their last season was bad, but I don't – he basically was implying he shouldn't have been let go and that he wasn't supported. And there are rumors that he wasn't supported. There are rumors that they wanted somebody else. He but, wasn't supported. I mean, it was I'll all, just say it. News all summer long. But he tanked. I, like TV news, Tank. but like, I mean, he, he, he gave up. You can't have a season like he had and then just bring him back. We I did it for basketball. Not, and there was all well, kinds of but, but here's the thing. I don't necessarily agree but, with that, but at least it was his first year. Do you yeah, think Tom, point. if Tom was in this position, do you think Tom would do that? Do you think Tom would bring basketball coach back being four and twenty-eight? I, I, I do. don't think he would. I, I think it's I unfair do. to say because I, I think don't he would because I'm with Ross because I think a Steve Crackthorpe, and you could see the writing on the wall, and he gave him three years. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but we made up a lot of excuses to taint Bobby's first tenure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so didn't. The, the, the I'm going to go on record. I didn't. But so I, I, And I guess that my point is there is some ego there with, with Tom. We know he's a very prideful man. And I don't 
necessarily agree with every little thing he said in the article. It doesn't matter. That anybody you talk to, you're gonna you probably heard things I've said on this podcast tonight. Some of you, you don't you may not agree with any of it, but I bet there's something I've said you don't agree with. Tom George was our athletic director for 20 years. You're going to find things you didn't like or that you don't agree with. Minus three days. You look at everything. You look at our program. Most of you young fans in particular, you aren't fans of this university the way it is without Tom Dirge, whether you realize it or not. Uh, the man loved the university. And whether you agree with every little thing, I don't agree still with the Trino thing. Tom, Tom needs his flowers. We need to give that man his flowers. And he's never coming back, and we, we, we're, we're okay with that. We need to heal, and he, he is the biggest part of the healing. And, and that article just – I almost hated that I had to read it because it just it just shows we're not there yet. We are not there. Well, and Ty, and you haven't been able to say too much, so I'm going to let Ty kind of get his yeah. thoughts. Well, you, you you mentioned, you know, the young fans. I mean, I, I guess I consider myself kind of the part of the young fans. I mean, all my whole – you know, memory and experience of Louisville sports, Tom Jurich has been the leader of all of that. But, you know, mm -hmm. um, I still remember my first time I ever went into Freedom Hall and watched the Rick Pitino team. You know, Tom, Tom was a huge part in that. You mentioned all the numbers and everything that he's done for the athletic department. How about perhaps the biggest one of all going from Conference USA to the Big East to the American and now the ACC? Um, putting us in always, you know, thinking ahead, putting us in the position to best position to succeed um, to, you know, now we're, we're in a power conference among the nation's elite. Um, the article was, it was kind of sad to read. Uh, like I said, I, you know, a lot of things I agree with that he said, some I don't, you know, the, the Petrino thing, I, I don't think hardly any of us really agree with that, but it is what it is. One of the things that I thought was interesting, and I don't, you know, maybe I'm not taking the right context in this, but whenever he made the comment about Jeff Brom, and they, Eric Crawford writes, wishes for success for new football coach Jeff Brom, noting there's a lot of pressure on him. I thought that was interesting, um, being yeah. that you know this is Jeff's first year. You know, he has he's only had the job what two months, three months. Well, um, especially us knowing the history there. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. With with the rumors of the history between, you know, the George family and the Brom family, I was wondering if that was maybe a slight dig at Jeff and the in the Brahms. I'm not sure. Um I I wondered the same, but I also wonder I didn't think so. Let's be honest, the Brom family, they're the first football family of Louisville, or of that's what people call the first family of Louisville. Yeah, and they've been a part of all of our football success, but none of them have been in a position like Jeff Brom is now as the head coach. So you could take it, you know, obviously the crack door when he was an assistant, he got thrown under the bus and a lot of us were pissed off about that. Uh, I know I was. And so, like I said, I don't agree with every little thing Tom did. So maybe, maybe I kind of read that and I thought the same thing, like, man, that's a weird thing to say. But at the same time, I know, I know somebody really close with that family and, and they said, I don't think Jeff should take the job because I think if he fails, it's going to tarnish everything. And there, I don't think it would tarnish everything, but I can see where the pressure comes from to hold the, the name in the prestigious place it currently is. It would 
I mean, if he comes here and he bombs, I mean, it's going to take it down a notch because anytime you think of the Brom family, that's going to now be a part of it. Up to this point, every time a Brom's been involved in anything with football, it's been success every single time going back to Oscar Brom. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I kind of took it that way more, but it was interesting. Uh, overall, I just, I just, it just breaks my heart that we can't seem to heal this, this wound. And it's like that, that's, that it has to happen. And then we can move on. To me, I took his comments on Brom as kind of what I was saying earlier. Uh, you know, this could be me looking into it and reading into it more, which, you know, I, I've been guilty of doing more than than I, you know, I could ever explain. But um, you hold the ones that you have the most faith in and you have the most uh, trust and love in maybe to the highest standards. And I, I do think that there was a strained relationship there with the Brahms and Jurich. Um and, you know, we can all wonder if Jurich was here, if we had ever gotten Brom back. But I do know that, and I think most of us know this, that Jurich was not happy with Bobby the way he did us when he left for the Falcons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jurich saw a situation where we almost lost Charlie the year before he did leave. And he basically placed Jeff down there, uh, not Jeff, Bobby down at WKU and helped that AD uh, arrange a contract in a way from what we understood is that helped write the contract that we would pay WKU to hold Bobby for, you know, for that next year or whatever, you know, because Jurich had a very high inclination to know that Charlie was going to leave. So um, it, it, I think Jurich is a guy that can – make amends with things and can be the bigger person for sure. And admit when he's wrong. Um, I, I think I don't have any question that there's no, you know, barring certain situations, there's not bridges that can't be uncrossed. That obviously has to go both ways. Right. Um, but I think Jeff and the Brom family are good people. And I think that they have a lot of love. I would have to think that they have a lot of love for Tom as well and and what all the good things that he's done here you know i think um better and cooler heads can always prevail and you know both parties you know when you've got some humility you can you can admit uh you know when there were wrongs done and um i think we all can kind of see that now but um you know the i didn't really take it as as a dig as much as he just holds he knows that Jeff is held to a higher standard and maybe right. and he does, too. And um, it, it, he knows that this is either going to go really well and it's going to take you Bell way up here into the stratosphere or there's a chance for it to go possibly bad. You know, like I don't see a lot of gray area as far as I'm concerned, but I'm a total believer. I think I think Jeff's going to kill it. 
But um, you know, I, I think I'm, that I'm, I think, I'll skeptical at first. But well, I yeah, thought the I, thing about Kenny, and so far we're still a jury's still out there. So I'm hey, man, it, one it, day at a time. <laughs> hey, well, difference. It, that's an apples and oranges, and we all know I that. Know, Jeff's just, got a lot of coaching experience already, and a lot of proven track record of leading programs already, and taking them to standards that they had never been before. So, um, I don't think that's quite the same, but. And I don't think that any of us agree with, you know, that's the same either, but I get what you're saying. But I just think that um, Tom, I, I think he's got, I don't really see that he hates Louisville in any way or hates no. any of his decisions. No. I don't think, he, I don't even think that he hates any of his decisions at all. I think he just has revisionist history and. Um, I think he hates the way it ended. Oh, absolutely. And I think and I think that, yeah, that, that needs that's to that's where all of us that's are. Where they need to heal it. That's where the university and Tom Dirge, they've got to heal this. And I feel like, I mean, it could you could say it starts with Tom and maybe Tom reaches out. But to me, it starts with the university. It starts with university leadership, because that's who we like. We love Tom Dirge. A lot of us do. But not every Louisville fan does. But all the Louisville fans, if you're a true fan, you all love Louisville. And that's the university. So to me, it comes from them first. And since you are currently in the leadership, I don't care if Josh Hurd and Tom Dirge have bad blood or not. I don't know if they do or not. I know they worked together before. I know you hear things and you hear things both ways. I have no idea, but it does not matter. Tom Dirge was such a big part of this program. And Louisville is Louisville. We love Louisville. And we lo a lot of us love Louisville. I grew up my first year. Ron Cooper went one and 10 or one and 11 or whatever it was. I don't know how the hell I became a fan. The one, though. I don't know how the you hell. You know, the one, right? Man, the one. <laughs> one guy. I went to the one game. We one time. Against Illinois. <laughs> it was my second football game I ever attended, and we won. And that was the only game we won. So I've seen what it was like when Tom George first got there, and that was in Old Cardinal Stadium, which was – we all know I, – I have, like, fond memories, but – we don't want to go back. No, never again. <laughs> and, uh, but we love our stadium now, and that's thanks to Tom Jurich. We love where the program's ascended to. And so we. my point is a lot of us don't grow up Louisville fans without Tom Jurich being all over that. We have to heal this. We have to yeah. heal this, and then you move on. And Tom's, I, Tom's more content. The Tom fan base, the ones that are still really upset about Tom Jurich, I'm upset about it, but like I, I'm ready to move on, and I don't think about Tom. But that article today brought up all those old memories. But it just goes to show you, it, it's just like a dark cloud. It's like the white elephant in the room. Nobody wants to acknowledge it's there. We want to celebrate everything that happened under his tenure, while saying we can't talk about him. And we've got to move past that. The university, in my opinion, I want to sum it up because I know you guys want to talk about baseball, but we have <laughs> got to. We've got to reach out. We've got to – it just bothers me, man. It bothers me we're still doing this well, years mentioned, later. You mentioned how he, you know, he hates how it ended. He, But the, I think more importantly, the smear campaign that came after the fact and the extra Bingo. damage. I mean, that is just like – It still that's, is happening. In two and it months. still is. It still is. But, like, just the smear campaign that happened after and then, you know, you saw – I read an article that the university had to go back and retract a lot of that, like, that's where a lot of the damage comes in. And I'm honestly kind of impressed in Tom and the fact that he still, despite all of that, 
still has love and affection and care for the for the school and the university because I, I absolutely I don't think it I takes could. a big man to do that. It does. I don't think I could, to be honest, uh, if mm-hmm. I was in those shoes. Yeah, I mean, especially you know something that he put so much heart and soul into. Like he said, he every waking moment, probably every sleeping moment that he had. I mean, it was all all his energies were geared and generated to 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 go towards U of L, and it was U of L, and the results uh, were a uh, you know a reflection and a and a and a dividend of all of that, and and we were a dividend. You know, and our experiences were all dividends of yeah, of, that, commi- of that commitment. That. And so, where, and I'll be, I'm gonna say, I, I, I'm gonna say, it makes it hard as a fan because it makes it hard as a Louisville fan because I feel like a large, a, a large portion. I won't say the majority. I don't know, but a large portion of our fan base just wants to forget about it and wants to forget about him. And I cannot, as a Louisville fan, it it just it, it tears me in different directions because it's it's disrespectful to me and it's completely ignorant of of where we came from, yeah. and to do that and it, it it's hard to root for a program that doesn't acknowledge that you don't like I said and I'll last thing I'll say you don't have to agree with the way it ended you don't have to agree with everything that happened under Tom George's watch I don't either. But you also don't have near the program success you have today, even though it's not where we want it to be at this moment. You're not even in a position to get it there without Tom Jurich. That needs to be acknowledged. So, Ash, I'm going to let you take it over. Yeah. Um, on the baseball. Well, I, and I'll just make a couple more th- uh, points on Tom that, uh, you know, I wanted to <laughs> make. <laughs> but uh, one of the interesting thing is, is I, you know, I, there was a lot of tinfoil hat theories and everything whenever everything went down, but, you know, Greg Postel came in as the interim president and then just basically cleaned house. Um, But one of the interesting things (laughs) is about a year and a half ago, uh, the university of Toledo actually brought him in as an interim president. And what do you know? He did the exact same thing. Very long, very, very long-term tenured AD, uh, and basketball coach, both very well liked by their fan base. And he cleaned house again. Uh, it's a hatchet Toledo. man. It's a yeah, hatchet and I'm like, so this guy is just a hatchet man. And and we may look, it's harder whenever you're a fan of a, a higher profile school like UofL or any P5 school, um, you know, because you might, oh, that's just Toledo. But the people that are in that and are alums of that school and are spending their time and hard-earned money, to follow that school, they're every bit as pissed off when something like that happens as we are when something bad happens to U of L. So uh, we can't we can't ever lose sight of that type of thing. Um, and, and the thing that really irked me about the article was when everything went down, how much everybody talked about him promoting um, a department of noncompliance and basically running a loose ship is kind of what uh, was put out there. But then you have a director of NCAA compliance from their offices talking about how that's exactly opposite of her experience with Tom of, uh, you know, him cooperating with investigations, him, you know, promoting uh, an environment of compliance. So to me, that just really rubbed me the wrong way uh, as far as how we, uh, you know, our university kind of put 
uh, uh, kind of tainted his image <laughs> and Kyle with his mugs. But anyway, that was the last thing I had on that. Um, does anybody else have anything they wanted to, to talk about as far as the Tom stuff? I have two quick things. Uh, one, Brian, I saw your comment. No, no year of the Cardinal without TJ. You're absolutely right. Shout um, out to my guy, B heck, Brian. That's my dude right there. <laughs> Shout right, out, you're Brian. You're baby. absolutely right. My last thing with the Jersh thing, we've talked about how do you know, heal. How do you do it? Um, what, in your all's opinion, how do you do it? What do, do you bring him back for a, a big event or something like a game? Like, I don't understand. You know, I don't know. What do we do? I think it starts behind the scenes first. I think it starts with our leadership reaching out and saying, Hey, we read your art. We, we saw your article. We know how you feel. Not that they had to see the article to know that, but at least that initiates. It's almost to me like the article, you told you shouldn't have to do that. I feel like a part of him still wants to make amends, but he also feels like it, you know, it has to come from the university first. It just does. And so maybe they can reach out and talk to him and, and then say, hey, you know, we, we do want to, to heal this. We, we understand the way it ended. There are things you didn't like. There are things we didn't like. But we want to celebrate your time here. And hopefully Tom Jurich would be okay with that. Now, I know some people that's not enough. But I think Tom loves the university enough. I think if he did it in the right way and he started to mend the, if he started to heal that relationship behind the scenes, then you absolutely can start working towards like, hey, maybe we we do a statue, maybe we we Tom George way, maybe we bring him in and and list his accomplishments. I know somebody's going to say, well, he has tickets to games and suites and stuff. But that to me is almost like throwing them a bone just to say, hey, we did this for you. And then we still have this awkward tension about it. And I mean, he's down there at his lake house. I don't think he's coming up for a lot of games. That's not really going to cut it. We, I mean, we need a real sincere coming together. And it's going to be, it's going to be this awkward tension within the fan base until that happens. And it's not that anybody wants it or is trying to hold on to it, but you just can't be where we're at today without them. And yeah, it's, it's empty. And I, I, I've said that probably three times now. It's a empty, it's empty to celebrate the things that he was respond directly responsible for or indirectly. And then pretend he's not a big part of it while we have this underlying tension with Tom Jurich. So that's and, what I think we have to do. That's how I think it starts. It starts with, with the university reaching out, the leadership. It starts with Josh. Well, you know, it, the thing is this, you know, any sort of situation that's like this, it doesn't have to be with sports when you're dealing with strained relationships. It's how much necessary time is needed to pass, how many generations of change of, leadership or something has to happen before you're far enough removed to make that bridge happen, you know, so to where you have leadership that says, well, I was far, like they were far enough away. Like, you know, I was far, like I wasn't even here, you know, but this is clear that this is the right thing to do and make Tom, you know, and bring Tom back. Like One thing I haven't mentioned is the donors that were big Tom guys that are still out of the fold. You're not getting them back while you're shunning Tom Jurich. And I'm not saying that's why you bring Tom back. 
But that is a positive side effect that may occur if you are able to sincerely get back well, on I, terms with Tom. There's a big group of people that used to be huge donors under Tom that they're just as hurt, if not more so, and, and they're waiting. Like, hey, when is this going to heal? And so there's – and are some of them petty? Are some of them not willing to give Josh Hurt a chance? Maybe. I'm sure. But then there's also those that you've got to acknowledge the fact that there were things done wrong on both sides. The university did not handle the Tom Jurich situation well. And until they come out and make that right with him, it's not just him. It's a lot of these big donors. And then it's the entire fan base that, that grew up under a Tom Jurich administration. And even those older fans that have seen even more so the older fans who saw what it was like before. So there's a lot of healing to be done. And just admit, like, hey, this didn't happen the way it should have. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's, in honor of the man. It's politics. Like, it's always politics. That's what I've said it a couple times now. It's hard to get away from politics in anything anymore. Like, there are lines drawn in the sand. And politically, you have to you have to find you have to try to find a way to you need somebody that's in leadership that can straddle that line and appease both sides. So I, I will get, you know, I, I will, I would be remiss if I didn't, we're sitting here talking about Tom Jurich and I didn't tell the man, thank you very much. I've, I've, I've told him in person. Um, even at, like I was in a situation to where I was able to thank him when all of the mess was going on and he had been dismissed. Um, you know, I, we owe, I can't even, we owe so much to that man. Uh, you know, he led, he helped bring Louisville to a situation where TV contracts and TV were like the thing that were propelling universities to that next level. And Tom was the right guy at the right time. He understood that. And if there's one thing I really big that I took away from his comments today, he said, you know, the next a, you know, the, the, the ADs of the future, they're going to have to be, you know, NIL's got to be first, second, and third on your, on your, on your list. And you're going to have to be out in the forefront. And, um, you know, I, I think that's a man that is very much paying attention to the landscape of college mm-hmm. sports. And, and and I think it to me, it just shows a, a man that could still do it like right. and and I wish him, and I wish that we could have gotten the chance. I wish we could have gotten the chance to see what Tom Jurich could do with NIL because the guy gets it. He knows how to read the landscape. He helped navigate us into the ACC. He knows exactly where you need to be. He knows about how playing his cards correctly. The guy can play chess. Well, you know. And at this point, I do want to say Josh Hurd appears to get NIL, and he appears to have put some things in place. So I don't yeah. want that. I know what you mean, Ross, so I want to clarify and tell me if I'm wrong. 
I don't think you're throwing anything. Like you're not saying Hurd doesn't get it. I don't think he was taking a dig at Hurd at all. No, like I'm, I'm not, not saying that. I'm, not I'm like just saying that he he gets yeah. he gets like it was just like a maybe a, a a point out to everybody. Not that most ads don't know this. Like nil has to be your one of your main focus now. Yeah, I going meant, forward, I it's going to help your coaches and it's going to help propel your programs. Yeah, I meant you'd like to see Tom Jurich under. I, I knew what you meant. I meant. You're not – that's not a saying that Herd doesn't get it. Herd's done some tremendous things with NIL. But I think at the end of the day, we just – we all want to see this healed. And, and and it starts with you guys, at university leadership. We do. I, and I think that one of the big steps would be like, you know, obviously it's a completely new administration uh, at the university. Uh, so if they could find a way to reach out to him and, and you know, make – it doesn't have to be public, but – reach out to him and apologize for the way the university treated him. I think that would be a, a big step. And like I said, it doesn't have to be public. They can do that privately. Yeah. Um, and then find a way to bring him in as some sort of a, an ambassador, an advisor to the university. That would go such a long way toward healing. Um, like Frank Beamer also. at Virginia Tech. Yeah. I mean, it would just, it would just do so much for all parties. Absolutely. Um, because I mean, just one of the examples of how far the university came under his watch, for instance, our baseball program, I talked about it before, where they played, where they play now. We didn't have up until like 2005, 2000, and I'm, I'm doing this off, off the cuff. So I may have years exactly wrong, uh, but it's in this time frame. We did not have a major, uh, a former U of L Cardinal um, baseball player, make it to the major leagues until like 2005, 2006 timeframe. Um, and then in a very short time, uh, and this is a statistic I read maybe a month or so ago. So, and I may, and it's a time frame thing again, I may not have the exact years, right. Uh, I know I'm kind of all over the place with that, but like 2013 through 2021, uh, the program that had the most major league players debut was the university of Louisville. Wow. Of any program in the country, the University of Louisville had the most players debut in the major leagues from 2013 to 21. Um, and like I said, I may have the exact years wrong, but it was a, it, that was the statistic. Um, That's so <laughs> it's something that is very reflective in where we came from and, and where we are now. And we owe all that to Tom. But I think that's a great segue uh, talking about those guys that, uh, you know, where he took the baseball program to, to transition into the Cardinal nine um, here. Uh, actually, it's already started, but uh, Cardinal alum uh, and fellow spat alum, Will Smith, uh, you know, is on the team USA uh, and they, uh, they had first pitch, I believe at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. I'm on central time. So I'll be putting things in my time, but uh, 10 o'clock Eastern is, I believe when that game started. So that game is about a half hour in. Um, in USA, they so win that second game inning. What's that? Second inning. Okay. I don't have it on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't either. I'm just being, oh, okay. a, I'm being a smart ass. Well, the, the game the other <laughs> night, man, that, it was like three innings in. It was like two and a half hours already or something. Yeah. As there were so many runs scored. But, uh, you know, if they win tonight, they'll advance to the quarterfinal, and I kind of expect them to beat Columbia. But um, yeah. even if they lose, I think they'll advance still. It's just a math equation then for the tiebreaker. But um moving along the cardinals uh, you know the nine the cardinal nine have their first acc opponent this weekend um we're going up against uh, georgia tech uh 
in uh, Jim Patterson Stadium. So that'll be a really good, exciting uh, homestand. Georgia Tech's 13 and four on the season. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, give you some names to watch out for. I was kind of looking at Prospects Live's 2023 draft board, um, kind of their highest rated guy. Uh, on their draft board for Georgia Tech was uh, was I don't know how you say his last name, but Terry Bussey um, is what it looked like to me. Bussey, uh, but he bussin'. Uh, what's that? Bussing, bussing. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, he was ranked 195 on their draft board. He's their closer. Um, he's the closer for Georgia Tech. So you know that's kind of like their uh, highest rated guy on the draft board. But I look through their stats. Uh, they've got a guy, uh, Jackson Finley, two-way player, uh, sub-two ERA on the season on, on the on the bump. Uh, and also as a hitter, he's got seven home runs already. So uh, that dude, I'm excited to to look at, at watch some of their games this weekend and uh, see how that dude does because I, I don't remember him from from last year. Uh, but that, that, you know, he's like their own little Brendan, their own little Brendan McKay, right? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Brennan. Hopefully, you know, heals up and is ready to go again in 24. So, goodness. Yeah. Those were good times. Oh, no. Yeah. But, you know, the Cardinal team right now, you're, we're 15 and one heading into ACC play. So, I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of excitement right now. Um, got a couple of guys that were in that top, say, 150 uh, of prospects lives, top one, uh, you know, top 300. Uh, draft prospects so we were you know our guys i think peyton was 139 jack peyton was 139 um and christian uh was uh, around 150 so um a couple of guys there in the top 150 uh, for the cardinals yeah i i you know two guys that are really standing out for me right now on the team are uh i, I it it's pretty obvious when you just watch the the kid and you see him out there uh, Eddie King Jr. is a star in the making. Yeah. Um, that that guy is different. He just He's glides. Very, yeah, he he is everything about him's different. We haven't had we haven't had a player to me, in my opinion, and I, you know, I, I've got friends in my close, you know, intermediate group that are much bigger b- baseball fans than even me, but I can't even think of a player in recent time that Eddie King Jr. even compares to that we've had. Uh, he, he's just a different player. I mean, he's different yeah. at the plate. He carries himself differently in the field. Everything about him is just different. So I think that dude is going to be a hell of a player uh, going forward. He's got a – I think he's going to have a great year this year. Um, the other player is uh, Beard. Um Beard, I think, I think, you know, to me, the the games that I've seen this year, he's had a lot of clutch hits. Um, you know, where's he batting in the rotation right now? Is he six? Oh, man, you know, I it's been a week since I, I caught a game live, so uh, I can't remember the the exact spot in the lineup. But yeah, Beard is having he's he's off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, he's. He's just, uh, you know, he's. I, I don't know how many RBIs he has off the top of my head, but he seems like he's batting guys around, and um, I, I'm liking the way he's playing. He's a, and I think he is in the middle of that batting ro- rotation. He's, he's a definitely a guy that you like to kind of anchor that spot that can get you, uh, you know, get you some base hits and get guys around and get you back up to the front of that lineup, you know, the batting lineup. So. 
Um, the big thing this year, though, is the pitching is just, you know, this the pitching looks for real this year. You know, I this is probably the best pitching staff we've had since 2020. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see what that team was going to do. I, you know, that team, I thought, I think a lot of us thought were destined for really great things. Um, I, I, there have been some questions about the, uh, the relief pitching, you know, guys coming out of the bullpen. Um, but, uh, God, who was the true freshman that came out the other day, uh, against Dayton on Sunday, bases loaded and zero outs. He comes out, doesn't relinquish a hit or a run gets us out of the inning, you know, uh, I wish I could remember the kid's name right now, but like, those are things that, you know, when you're looking at game time situations, when you're getting into critical moments later on in the year, those things definitely, uh, reverberate and pay off, uh, going down the road. So, uh, you know, I, I think that the, I think that the, the bullpen's going to come around. Uh, you know, I, 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 I feel really good about our, our aces, our starters. Um, so I, I just, I don't see a ton of holes in this team this year. And I, I think, you know, I said it, you know, a week ago or so ago, but, um, it, you need to be looking at, you know, you need to be looking at Omaha. Like that's, I think that's really where this team's going. Um, you know, for them to go out, you know, two weeks ago and just absolutely just demolish the competition down there in Houston. I mean, just destroyed them. I mean, just ran right through them. And uh, that's not that's not any small matter what they did. Um, that's a very good telltale sign so i think if we can uh you know avoid the injury bug I, you know we got some guys that are kind of nicked up right now but i think they're going to be okay um uh who is it leggett and uh uh, f- uh who's the other one ash uh fair uh what's his name i'm drawing a blank i apologize i got a little sidetracked uh this week i had watched every game up until friday um and, and then i got a little sidetracked with the, the wbc yeah, um, both of our, I, our starters. I, I'm a little bit are, out of, I'm a few games out of date now, but uh, and I apologize. But uh, yeah, and I think you were talking about Tucker Biven Sunday that came in and pitched three innings. The freshman. That sounds right. Yeah, um, I had to double check the box score, but uh, to make sure I was I, I was right on that. But um, yeah, he pitched three innings on on Sunday against Dayton. Um, but yeah, I mean I, this team, I think it's going to be you know, <clears throat> there was a lot of questions coming into the season. Um, about our pitching, uh, but and like I said, I didn't see the games this weekend. But up until that point, you know, I had I was really impressed. And, and the weekend series that we had in Houston, like you said, I mean, they were lights out against really top notch competition. I mean, yeah, I mean, we where it matters. We outscored the, the competition like twenty five to four or something. Yeah. like that's as a, that's as a big a that's as big a a compliment on the pitching as it is, you know, the, the offense and the, you know, the hitting, I mean, yeah. uh, 25 to six, maybe it was, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, just to go down there the way they did, I know, you know, we had, we had that uh, schedule that we were going down there back in what October. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, I, I was like, man, that's going to be a rough stretch down there because I, I saw this team as being a team that could like really grow through the season, take some lumps and, you know, grow as the season went on, you know, and be ready for Omaha because that's, how, you know, Dan's good at Dan's a great coach. And, you know, that that's how I kind of how I saw this season for them to just do what they've done thus far. I was just like, wow. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm paying attention. Like Dan, you got my attention. Well, and you've got Christian with eight steals on the year already. So, I mean, I, I really like our combination of, of things that we've got going on in the lineup uh, with speed yeah. and, uh, and some power um, and, and guys putting the ball in play. Uh, I really like what our bats are doing. Um, and, and then, you know, the pitching did really well uh, down in Houston. And, and up until last week, you know, they were really dominating. Um, so I, I think that we have a lot of excitement coming up. Uh, I think, you know, heading into ACC play, that's where it's going to obviously, uh, you know, obviously that's going to show what we're really about. Um, and, and so that's why this weekend's really exciting. I probably watch – uh, more of those games than I will NCAA tournament just because of the fact that um, it's it's against a pretty good quality opponent this weekend. Um, and, and so our team really has a chance to, you know, show what they're made of and show off what we've got this year. So I'm really excited about this opening series against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I, you know, I we all know that the ACC, you know, baseball is it's one of the top conferences every year. It's right up there mm-hmm. with the SEC. Um, you know, you know, obviously those Southern schools tend to have an advantage because they've got the benefit of having better weather more often. But, um, you know, it's, I don't think that that's uh, a coincidence that you see like, you know, West coast teams like UCLA and, um, uh, you know, Arizona, I think's had some good baseball programs in the past and you've got all the USC. USC, yeah, like you've got all the Southern schools that have generally had really good baseball programs that like the, you know, places where there's sun, you know, yeah. when you can go play ball pretty often. But, um, you know, going back to Sunday, Sunday's game against that last game to wrap up the series against Dayton, that was an ugly game. Like it was ugly. Like it, it just didn't have a lot of flow. Um, I am for one, I, I really like the shot, you know, the shot clock or the pitch clock being, mm-hmm. you know, introduced to the game. I think that has been needed in baseball for a long time. I'm glad that the majors have adopted that now, although we're seeing pitchers that are kind of tinkering with that a little bit. Um, they're kind of manipulating it, <laughs> which is, sure. yeah, that's, that's just kind of smart. But anyways, I, I, I digress, but um, the game was just ugly Sunday and it was tight at times. And every time we got ourselves out of those situations and were able to persevere and come through, um, I think, you know, that's just one of those little things that, you know, you just see no matter the sport where good teams find ways to win. And, you know, those, those little challenges, they, again, they pay off for you in the most critical times when, when, the, when the stakes get the highest down the road. So um, I, I like that they were tested uh, like mm-hmm. that in that situation. And I like how they responded. So um, I'm, you know, baseball is a different kind of monster, you know, as far as like when it comes to anxiety, it, it you know, it's, it, it's a different type of stress. 
And um, when it compared to like what a lot of us fans are used to with, you know, basketball or, or football, you know, it, but it's, it's really fun. I mean, it's, I, I, I implore Cardination to get behind this baseball team. I get behind this team and watch them. If it, if you don't really watch baseball, watch this team, like yeah. give them a real chance and watch this team. They are going to excite you they they have it this year so this is a team you want to watch and this would be a great year if you've never really gotten into baseball this is a year you want to get in they're going to be it's going to be a good run and friday beat night tech, man beat tech they did it by guy pastor dirty our sweet prince josh pastor <laughs> josh pastors how could they how it's could they do that to our boy stain pastor for assistant coach but uh yeah guys uh, you know it's the first game is friday uh, at six o'clock at jim patterson stadium so implore as many people that are local get get out there and watch the team yeah go watch them um and before we sign off tonight do we got anybody got any final words ty you got any final words for tonight not a lot uh no i will say just for any NCAA tournament uh viewers arizona state is destroying nevada so and catch it up on that with y'all talk to talk to cardinal nine but yeah the jurist stuff was interesting um recruiting great momentum so let's see let's keep it rolling kenny how about you ross man uh you know i i'm a, I'm a cardinal fan through and through um to bring it full circle uh i was born in cincinnati um shout out to my cincinnati folk uh, Emily, Corey, if you're watching, um, I met them at Ladder in Life last year. We've struck up a really awesome friendship, and uh, I brought them to the South Florida football game last year. They had never been to a college football game, and they said, oh, we're definitely going to a college football game this again this year. So um, we were just talking about it today. So, um, cool. yeah, and uh, I said, well, you're going to get the – you'll get the full treat this year because we got our boy Brom. Like the stadium, you'll get a full U of L experience. Um, so I, I originally grew up a. A lot of people know this. I grew up a Bearcat fan, but when I moved here, um, I, I did like Rick Pitino, so it kind of gave me an in. And the thing that solidified me as a fan was uh, I worked at Sam's Club at the time. It was pouring down rain. Uh, I was 18 years old. Not yeah, 18 and 19 years old, I guess. And, uh, I was helping a customer load something into their car and I, they reached into their glove box to give me a tip. And I said, why aren't you at that game? And they said, well, the wife didn't want to be out in the, in the water. And I was like, I can't believe you're not at that game. Like I wasn't even a U of L fan really. They're like, you want to go? I was like, well, I got to close, push all these carts in, but uh, if I can get there, yeah, I'll take those tickets. It was the, it was the U of L Florida state game in the monsoon. Oh, okay. I was at that game till the end. I stayed till the end of the game. Yeah. The Eric Shelton stiff arm is still one of my favorite uh, images of all time. Bro. So that moment I I went home, my, my, my buddy, Chris, U of L 3223. I tried to get him to go with me, but he was working. He couldn't get off work. I take my brother instead. Okay. We go down there and it was one of the, I felt like I was, when it was all said and done, I felt like I had been baptized as a Cardinal fan. 
I'm not kidding. Like it, it, I was a Cardinal fan through and through from that point on. And uh, Chris has a picture of me the next day on the goalpost. I'm on the goalpost. I can point to me. I know exactly where I was. We have that. He still has the clipping. Um, I've been a Cars fan ever since then. And that was all Tom Jurich's creation. Yeah. And I, I can't, I can't say enough about how much joy and everything that Tom has brought me in, in my life. So, you know, uh, sometimes to a fault, Cardinal, you know, Cardinal sports has been overly important, but, um, you know, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't change anything about it. And I'm going to be a Cards fan till the day I die. They're tatted on my body and that's the way it's always going to be. And what stays down doesn't stay down and what's, what goes up doesn't always stay at the top. It's a, it ebb and flows. It's the process of life and we're not going to be the way we are forever. And I do believe that there's a happy ending in all of this where we do bring Tom back. But again, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. If you're ever going to see this, thank you. Uh, go cards. And that's all I got to say. How about it? you, Kyle? Any last words? <laughs> I'm not following that up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> thank you, Tom George and go cards. Go right, cards, um, baby. You know, just uh, <laughs> Ross, you know, it's funny that you brought up the Bearcats because one of my favorite, probably my favorite football stadium outside of uh, Cardinal Stadium is probably. Nipper. And I know that that's blasphemy from a Cardinal fan to say. Um, my it mentor, be. My mentor and former boss, Devon Thomas, and former Cardinal great, um, always asked me, how did you ever work there? Because – he, the stories that he told me is that the players actually hated Cincinnati more than they hated Kentucky. So he, he was always like, I don't know how you ever worked there, but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, Nippert stadium always was one of my favorite places. I think it's an awesome. It's, stadium. it's very endearing. Anybody yeah. that ever watched a game there, they would agree. It's an endearing stadium. It's, it is a, it's a good time. It's a great yeah, setting for I, a college I, football I really game. Like Absolutely yeah. is. I, I was at the snow game with Stefan LaFours where every possession was a the other team scoring. I think we won. I think it was a game in the 40s where both teams and we ended up pulling it out. But. There's going to be some real exhilarating games in Nippert in the next coming years too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oh, yes. A lot of stretching uh, going on. Skyline Scott. A lot of Saturday. stretch. Skyline Scott. Skyline Scott's going to have some stretch left. Stretch left. Stretch right. Be ready. Be ready for that first and second down run. That's going to be. Uh, it's going to be exciting. All right, guys. Oh man, it's been hey, good Scott. Good conversation. <laughs> um, just wanted to wrap it up and, and thank everybody for joining us tonight. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you hit the like button on Facebook, hit the subscribe button on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. Uh, hit those sure alerts. Make sure you got the alerts turned on so that, that you get the notifications when we're going live. Reach out to us on any of our socials and give us any kind of feedback that uh, that you want so you know we can improve the channel uh, and make it something that you really enjoy moving forward. Uh, can't thank you guys enough. Go Cards. Go Cards. Thanks for Go watching, cards. guys.